All right. Well, welcome everybody to the Social 7 Podcast. I am so excited to have you with us. It has been an incredible pleasure and learning experience for us. Each type, when it meets the instinct, shows up a little bit differently. And this is what we're learning and learning so much about is the difference between them. And so the self-preservation seven, the sexual seven, and the social seven will have a lot of similarities, but also some distinct differences. And so that's what we're looking to explore with you today. So before we begin, would you introduce yourself and tell us where you are from? Oh, I'll begin. Um, my name is Konrad. I'm originally from South Africa, but I, now I stay in uh, Masterton, New Zealand. Hi, I'm Kai, and I'm actually from Singapore. Hi, I am Anna, and I am based in Chicago. All right, well, welcome to each of you. As we begin, we're going to talk about how the seven interacts with the uh, social instincts. So all three aspects of the social instinct, which are reading and interpreting. So that's sort of looking around, picking up on the data from people, you know, body language, what's happening there, bonding and affiliating, like who are my people, who are, who's my tribe, and, you know, checking in with different friends and family occasionally. And then also the contributing, contributing to the herd, you know, what is my contribution and making sure other people are contributing and knowing how to use everybody's gifts and abilities uh, within a particular group setting. So we're going to look at all of that. And as we begin, I'm curious to find out how do you as a seven uh, with the core need of avoiding pain and pursuit of pleasure, how does that play out, interact with the sort of reading and interpreting of, of the group of the people around you? Well, for me personally, I'll, it is a thing of I always read the room first and I always make sure everyone is happy because if they're happy, I'm happy. So I know where to place myself, which is a bit of a downside as well because sometimes I shoot myself in the foot um, and it could be painful sometimes, but at least they're happy. So that's, that's basically what I do. I literally read facial expressions, body language, just to see uh, if I didn't offend them or anything like that in, in the way that I just acted towards them. Mm. Yeah, for myself, um, I think it's a learned tool for me to read the room. I used to just inject myself into the group and then I kind of regret being in a group if there's like some tension and it's something that I really want to avoid. I don't want to be in a group that has some tension that I feel very uncomfortable. So now when I go into a space and there's a group of people, I usually take a back seat and I will just see how they interact with one another first. Um, I look at the body language and how much they are contributing to the group before I put myself into the group. Um, yeah, so I am just collecting data at that point of time. And when mm -hmm. I'm in a group, I'm constantly thinking all the time, like, what am I going to say? Am I going to say the right thing? Um, are they going to misinterpret what I'm saying? So that is the back of my mind. And it's kind of exhausting because I'm collecting data, processing the data. At the same time, I'm trying to be present with the group. So I'm not always very present. Interesting. Yeah, that's a bit of a different experience for me. I definitely am very aware when I'm in groups. My former coworker said I had spidey sense. So I often am very aware of like what's happening in the room dynamic, but it's actually quite intuitive for me in terms of like, I don't feel like I'm working really hard, 
But I do notice that I always, I have a desire to want to like amplify if things are like dull. So I feel like that's the pursuit of pleasure of like, how can we make this more fun, more energizing, like trying to inject it a bit so that I definitely feel that. And, and I think the recognition of others pain when it's in the group, I I definitely pick up on that, which, which can be um, challenging too. Yeah, I kind of resonate with what you say, you know, if there's a moment of silence, I kind of feel like I have to do something to engage the group. But there are times I feel like things that I do might exclude others from the group as well. And I'm also very aware of that. So I, I think it's based on experience. Sometimes I have to pull myself back and not to inject myself too much into it. And then all the attention is on me, but not on a group or some people feel left out at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I do agree there as well, because I, I, I feel kind of obligated to get everything done you know it feels like it's my responsibility which is not (laughs) yes totally but it's just like that's who I am and I always look for the people that's on the outside and I try to incorporate them and make them feel home and sometimes I'm kind of stuck with those people I thought like how will I get this now to get going you know (laughs) yeah yeah, and, and that's what the pain is for me. If I'm stuck with that one person, trying to bring that person in a group, and then they go on and on and on, I do not know how to get out from that conversation. And yep. I feel like, oh, what what do I do next? I, I don't want to say anything to offend this person, but I want to be back in a group, but I want to bring you back in a group. And then what do I do yep. next? And then it's kind of playing in my mind. And it's very exhausting because like, I don't want to do the wrong thing because I want to have that really nice, engaging group dynamic yes yes that inner dialogue it's exhausting in my head it's constantly uh, i think i'm going mad because i have voices in my head you know what's right (laughs) what's wrong am i doing this am i doing that you know um, i recently had a situation where we have a little girl that we're looking after that's eight years old and she was not doing what she was needed to do and um, i know i had to convey myself in a certain way you know getting the discipline ready and my wife was trying to coach me she's much better with that she's a four but in the end of the day it just felt so at a point where I got was like you don't know what's happening inside of me there's so much tension I don't know what to do yeah I got to that point and uh yeah that shook me because people don't know what's going on in your mind it's mm-hmm. it's constantly going. I don't think I have a nothing box. <laughs> you know, I am a man, but I don't think I have a nothing box. Everything is just rambling on and on and on. I sense that especially when I want to try and fix things. If I am in pain or if I see someone in pain, it's a desire to like, oh, I want to fix. And it, I think that mm. comes from that desire to get out of the pain. And oh, yes. that has caused, that's definitely caused some challenges for me. Of like, oh, no, we want to just, how do we get out of it? How do we move? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I do agree because... With that situation as well, my wife kind of looked at me and was like, what did she do wrong? And I felt bad then just because I actually said what's going inside of me. She says, you never tell me what's going inside on. Mm. You know? now, finally, I did tell her and it shocked her. And mm. now I feel bad about that. And I'm trying to see what's the right <laughs> way after that. Oh, yeah. Well, once you're vulnerable as a seven, I mean, this is probably true for a lot of sevens. Once you do so, then you feel bad because you feel like you put it on them yep. and they're yeah. going to feel lousy about it. So you're both managing your own stuff and trying to manage someone else's, you know, uh, feelings as well. What you're describing, though, is really good because you're explaining how the social instinct is interacting with the seven very well, like which is why sometimes they're called the counter type is because you're 
pleasure and your joy is very much in like how the group is doing. And if they're doing well, then you're doing well. There's, you know, Kylie, you were talking about like holding back and kind of reading the group and waiting to enter in. And so this is all has to do with like the kind of holding back a little bit on this sort of gluttony that is the vice of the seven and finding its way through the group a bit more. And so that's kind of how it shows up, which definitely looks more countertype than say the sexual seven or the self-preservation seven. So yeah, that's very helpful understanding that. Now let's talk about the next category, which is bonding and affiliating. How does that show up in you? Even though I'm very outgoing, I'm very selective who I let into my inner circles um, because I, I try to get people strategically into my inner circles that I know will help me. But it's always that struggle as well. You know, you want to get the outside people in, but you know you need to put in boundaries. So that that makes it sometimes very, very interesting for me with the dynamics because not everyone can be my friend. I want everyone to be my friend and I can't be everyone's friend. So yes, strategically looking at that, who needs to be there, who's going to help me actually go forward and who's going to be lifelong um, friends, you know? I look at that because that's really important for me. I still have friends as well that that I called up, call up that I've not seen for many years, but they played such an intricable part in my life that I can't just say, sorry, you're not part of my life anymore. Mm. Um, so that's, that's very important. And sometimes it doesn't come back to me, you know, they don't always contact me, but I feel like I need to contact them. I need to keep contact. I still need to just keep them in my life as far as possible. Yeah. That really resonates. It's a joke that, my partner often will look at my phone and see how many people I've texted or been in touch with in the last, you know, <laughs> few days. And it's just like scroll, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And and I just, I like having my, I like having just like light touches on a lot of people. But yeah. Conrad, as you were saying that, um, similarly, I have my core group and mm-hmm. those are the ones who I do allow to see truthfully that pain and to like really see the bottom of my barrel when I get there. But I, but I'm continuously and constantly in touch with a lot of people and a lot have a lot of curiosity about what's happening with other people, how I can support them, how I can connect with them. But there's a tight group as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do agree. I think that groups within groups, I would have a larger group. And then yeah. I have my own smaller group, which I'm comfortable with. And for my own smaller group, there are kind of like um, unspoken criteria for myself. They can't be asking for a lot of time commitment because that's not who I am. I, I like to be in like going from groups to group, different groups, um, dealing with different people. So if I have someone who needs a lot of um, commitment from me, I, I think that's really hard for me to bring them into my own inner group. We do, I do have a very small group and they all understand like we could go without speaking to one another for a few months and we come back together. We just pick up from where we left off. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have to go through the whole dance again. Like, oh, you know, go through like what we've been doing the last few months and all that. Yeah, we can just pick it off right easily. Yeah. And of course, you know, mm. people with the same values as well. Because like I say, for me is I do not want to have like certain tension and conflict in the group. So if I do have people within my own group, it's usually people of the same values. Otherwise, I feel like I'm constantly needing to balance the group and that's exhausting and that's not what I want. Mm. 
Yeah, I definitely do have that that circles as well because it's for me, it's I know you, you know, we, we get together. Um people tell me I'm likable. Uh so I get together get well together with people um from different backgrounds and stuff. But then I got my friendship um circles. But if you're really gonna go intense into my life and deeper that which, which I really want, then you become my brother and my sister. You know, that's a whole new level. I will give my life for my brothers and my sisters, and I treat you as my brother and sister. I will look after you financially, whatever. I'll be there for you, mm. um, and that's very, very important as well. I also, I always said I was going to marry one of my sisters as well, um, in that <laughs> sense. And and my wife became one of my sisters, the quickest. And yeah, that's basically how we just put for our relationship. It became more and more and more intense until we got married. Mm. You bring up a really important aspect of the social instinct is this, you know, high emphasis on friendship. Mm-hmm. Yes. Relationships is everything. Mm. I just think that when, when I do find a small group that I'm really comfortable with, um, yeah, you go out on a limb for them. Like you will do things for them. And um, there's always constant checking in. I don't need to meet you all the time, but I will check in on you. I would take that time to actually check in on you to see how you're doing, to see if, you're okay, even if you are not checking in on me. I do not need that, but I can go out for you. That's mm-hmm. if I bring you into my group, into my trusted circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If someone comes up into my head, I always hey, send them a picture. Or, hey, I'm hey, I'm thinking of you. Like sending you love. There's a lot of a lot of that. Um, I also want to note. I've also Kai. It sounds like you felt this too. I like to be involved in groups, but I don't like, I like my freedom. So I like to be able to have ownership over like my role in the group. So if it feels like it's a bird, it becomes a burden and Joel's laughing because him and I have spoken about this, (laughs) but if it becomes a burden, then I really don't like it. And it feels like it's holding me back or restraining me. But I love when I get to be involved in places and show up in an authentic way and support in an authentic way. I've been involved in a few places where I'm like, okay, I feel like this is not something I want to do anymore. And I have to like find my way out of it. (laughs) So I'm much more, much more selective now with what, with what I'm involved in. Yeah, it gets really time consuming. So if I look through my WhatsApp, I have so many groups. Like, I don't know how I got in, but somehow I'm pulled into like different groups. Like people say, oh, I'm going to start a group and you come on in and all that. And it gets exhausting. And there are times I have to like just excuse myself. It's kind of difficult because I don't like saying no. But mm-hmm. yeah, like, I have to exit the group and say, you know, I have other commitments. I'm so sorry. And I'm very apologetic. And then I have to get myself out of the group. But it yeah. feels good after that. Yeah, the likability. I mean, it's like sevens bring good energy and, and a spark. So we get often, at least I get pulled into a lot of different places. Um, but you have to manage your energy around it too. Oh, yes. And that unspoken rule with WhatsApp, you know, it's for me a big thing when I have to leave a group. I know most probably I have no more ties there. I'm not, I don't have a function anymore, but it's the worst thing to say, delete. Mm. I love this because this is highlighting both the, the aspect of the seven, but also the instinct that other sevens would not entirely relate to. Like, I join groups. So some have described themselves as serial group joiners, like they're just one after the other. And then also like the difficulty of leaving that group 
and having groups within groups. I love that. That's, that's really fascinating. And then like really deep, long lasting friendships. And then this, I don't want to be stuck though. I hate that feeling of being trapped or stuck. That's seven, right? So that comes into that intelligence. So you see that playing around with each other a little bit, and there's a bit of a tension there, but the fact that you do all of this and have lots of groups that you join and have a hard time deleting one, like even though for some social might be their second instinct, it's not that difficult to leave a group or to, you know, and not that enticing to join a lot of groups. So this is really fascinating because Mm -hmm. that is where it is different for other sevens. Um, Let's talk about the third aspect of this instinct, which is contributing to others. And you've already started down that path in terms of paying attention to like, what am I bringing to the group and what are others bringing to the group? Um, So uh, say a little bit more about that. I'm a leadership coach. And so I do some individual and then group work. And I'm finding that in this space, I bring a lot of like, what's possible, right? And like, Let's imagine. And I think especially if I can create an environment in a group that like allows people to dream and to think big and to like do silly games and like make them get out of their normal day to day. I think that that's something I really love. And I think is something that I've been fostering more because it people don't get to play and to dream and to just step out of their like, you know, routine. So that's been something that's come up for me recently. For me personally, um, I call myself an ambivert because I can be just as introverted as what I can be extroverted, depending on the room, depending on what's the need. Um, If there's no leadership, then I will take up leadership. I will take it further. If Mm -hmm. there is leadership and I can just fade into the background, I'm the happiest person also. So yes, it depends on what, what is needed. And what I found myself as well, a lot of times is I caught myself in mediation roles between to, uh-huh. between parties and I'm constantly even in my in my previous job where I was the store manager I had two associates that did not get along um the one was highly trained but she wasn't in a higher position but she had more background than the other person couldn't understand why she's not listening to him and I had to mediate the whole thing and actually get them to work together because that's that's the role of a manager getting everyone to work together in harmony, getting a goal and reaching the goal and, and making sure everyone is, is there in the same space and mind and on, on the same page as well. I definitely resonate with that. I do look at the different groups I'm in. There are groups that I play passive role. I just hang back and let someone take the leadership. But there are groups that I do play in active roles. And actually the groups that I play in are active roles that I find is a, a lot more interesting, but also a lot more energy into it because I have to actually think of how to structure the group, what I'm bringing to group mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like, okay, you know, I'm preparing this content, I'm bringing this in, I'm doing a lot of engagement with them. How can I keep them engaged? How can I make sure that they walk away feeling that they have benefited from this group and that they are not going to leave my group. So the main thing is I don't want them to leave my group and that they are enjoying and being in a group and they are getting something from me. So that is like my main mission. Stay in a group. I'll take care of you. I'll give you something to stay on. I'll make sure that they have things to engage you. And I pour in all my heart and soul into this. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, when I'm the most comfortable is when I play second fiddle. I'm not actually the leader, but there's a place of influence for me. 
because I can bounce off people. Um, I previously said to Joel as well, uh, it's the easiest thing for me to be in a conversation and just listen. That's where that, you know, that introvert comes in. I just listen, pick up what's the Mm -hmm. vibe in the room. And then I put all the little dots together and I pulled the bigger picture and I said, this is actually what you all said together. Mm -hmm. Wow. How did you just do that? Yeah. Yeah. But that's what you were saying the whole time. Yeah. It seems obvious. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point earlier, Conrad, being able to pick out or, or highlight like the uniqueness or beauty in other people and be able to draw Mm -hmm. connections between the people in a group is like one of my favorite things. Like, Oh, did you guys know that she's a really good dancer? And I don't know, like drawing all these connections and like helping kind of foster the group dynamic that way too is, is such a joy. Yeah, I I do enjoy that role. I think it's like being that networker. We bring people Mm -hmm. together. So I Mm -hmm. used to host a lot of women's circle and during the women's circle, um, I would start introducing one to another. By the end of the circle, I would say like, you know, you should connect with this person and then somehow their relationship blossom. But that's an internal part of me and I feel so ashamed of saying this. It's like when they have something going on and they acknowledge that I play a part in it, that feels... So good. Oh yes, oh yes. I don't want credit, but man, don't stop me. <laughs> <You're just laughs> that is that is one so of good. the things I've heard so much about social sevens is that the appreciation, the sort of applause, that yeah. is something that really feeds the type quite a bit. Uh, that's fantastic. This was really helpful uh, for me listening as uh, a social, uh, as my a sexual seven with social as my second. I I can here's some of those aspects in myself and then others I don't. And so this has been really enlightening to me to see that. We'll talk about this next instinct, which is the second to your sequencing. And this one tends to be more neutral. Uh, It doesn't create nearly as much of a problem as the third does for us. And so talk to me about the second and how you use it. For me personally, it's the sexual. Uh, So it's the one-on-one. Everyone told me I have the personality for retail, not good in the jewelry industry. It was awesome sitting with young couples um, and just hearing their stories, you know, and and hearing where they want to go and getting the the picture of the design of the ring together. And then you take it a bit further. Did you guys, um, you know, consider marriage counseling? What is marriage counseling? And then you just go through that and just like, you just impart a bit with them. So that one-on-one sparks a lot in me because I always want depth. I don't just want to be, you know, on the surface talking about the weather and how beautiful this is or whatever. I want to go into the deep and the wonderful things of who makes us who, you know, in that sense. I love that. That's where the social comes really in. And and even just to, like I said, in the retails, it's it's to get to a sale, but it's not just the sale, it's the relationship in the sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's my sexual instinct. That is my second. And I didn't actually quite realize until recently that a lot of people usually come to me because they have some issues or they need like um, someone to listen to them. And I do have a connection, like we go deep into it. But sometimes it's also painful because I do not know how to get out of it because we can have a conversation for three hours and 80% of the time I'm just listening to the person. So I become mm-hmm. like um, the unspoken counselor in a group because people That's come to Mm. Yeah, that they'll come to you and say, oh, you know, listen to me and all that. And I've trained myself to really stay present and listen. 
So, yeah, that, that's part of it. But if the conversation turns interesting, it's always the back of my mind. It's how do I bring this person into my group so that they can benefit from it and others can benefit from them as well. Yeah, so wow. also running the back of my yeah. mind. But if they are not, then I'm just there just listening to them. And unfortunately, again, I'm few. So as she was saying this, it's like, how do I get out of this conversation? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So sexual is also my second. And I found the more my of my own personal growth, this is becoming more natural. Um, I think it used to be harder to sit with someone who was in a really hard place or to just be connected and kind of this intimate way. But I'm finding as I'm doing more work and as I have my own practices and it's getting, I'm seeing the power in it and I'm seeing the power of going deep with individuals so that like, I actually, it's actually more useful in the group to, I don't know, there's something that the way it connects to my social piece too, but it's definitely hard, especially if people are in harder places. When I feel like someone's stuck or sitting in a, in a tough place, I want, it's again, that instinct to want to move out of it. Mm -hmm. One thing yeah. for me that the Enneagram really, really assisted me with is my relationship with my wife. Um, because the one-on-one -on -one instinct is there always to go and help someone. Mm -hmm. If they're in a tough time, I'm there. But when my wife goes through something, I always felt like I'm lacking empathy because I can't change the, uh, the circumstance. I can't do anything for it. So I, I literally shut down and I become cold. And I always thought like, what's wrong with me? You know, and I had that guilt and so on. And then I got to know about the the enneagram and, and the seventh and I actually realized but yeah I'm just wired if I can't change the situation I shut down and yep. not waste energy in that. so yes. now I approach it differently and I can always see where I can maybe support my wife differently I can't change the situation but I can be there for her you know one of the things my wife said to me was she never imagined me doing coaching and then she said that I know the reason why I said I don't know why I can suddenly do coaching well, I never imagined I could ever do this and she said, that's because you know how to fix the situations. That's because you have tools now. You didn't have them before. And I, that's true. It's like, a, oh my gosh, I felt so <laughs> exposed, like in a good way. Like I felt really good. Like, oh, you're right. That does make sense of the way I'm wired. And that it opens up having a tool. So what you just said, having a tool actually opens up the heart. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. now I can do a little bit more of this empathy, this feeling thing, because I have something I can contribute here that helps move it forward and not be stuck. Cause I think that's the fear that all of us, the sevens have is the feeling of being stuck and the feeling of being immobilized by the situation mm. that's in front of us. It feels very deaf, like death to us. So um, being able to move it forward then allows us, okay, now I can engage my heart again. Mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. Yep. But I really yeah. appreciated your, your insight behind like how it serves. Kai, you said like it, in the back of my mind, it's always like, how does this serve? The group, like that's a distinctly yes. helpful way of putting that because that's the difference between your first and your second is one tends to be in service of the other. Mm -hmm. yes. yeah. And I, and I think, I think the power of the social seven can come in dropping into the body and the heart because it takes us out of that head type. Uh, and I noticed that of like, wow. Okay. When I let go of these expectations to like control a group or to have the influence, like, and just drop in, like it comes from a more aligned place, mm -hmm. my influence or my support. That's been another thing. 
Yes, very good. That's great segue to move to the third, uh, which is the neglected instinct. Because you're talking about growth and you're talking about how when you're getting yourself out of your head and you're getting yourself more into your heart and your body, there's this sort of dropping that also happens with the instincts. Like you can, in the instinctual realm, we can stay, if we're social dominant, we can stay in the social realm and actually kind of push that too much. Like you said, you've got a million circles you're involved in and WhatsApp, and you can be perpetually like meeting after meeting. And as you begin to drop more into the body, you're starting to get a little bit more into the self-pres realm as well. So self-pres kind of brings out that body piece of it and stuff that has to do much more with the practical realm. So talk to me about this third. All three of you have that as your third, the neglected instinct. And uh, what problems? So the question is, what problems has it caused you? And how have you grown through it? (laughs) Okay, all right, I'll start. One of my strengths is loyalty and it's my biggest weakness as well. And the reason why for that is because of the social aspect. So I have a hard time saying no. But oh that's where the lack of the self-preservation comes in because I don't put in boundaries because I don't look <laughs> after myself. If they're happy, I'm in a good space. And that's not always true. You know, so that's where I shoot myself in the foot constantly. And my wife, is she's a fool. It's easy for her to, to engage into conflict, you know. And um, I always saw the, the Simmons as, as people engaging in conflicts and stuff like that. And I just don't, don't have that. You know, mm. for me, it's hard being in a conflict situation. I want to get out. Like, where's the exit? Looking <laughs> for the exit, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I don't look well after myself because I'm always putting other people's needs in front of myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, boundary is a big issue here when it comes to <laughs> group. Somehow, like, if I don't set a boundary for myself before going to the group, I tend to do more than I should and I'm not mm. looking after myself. And then, mm. and then there's resentment. Like, yeah, I want to yes. do this. And then I don't want to do this at the same time. And I'm so resented. Like, why did I even get myself? Or how did I even get myself here in the first place? Why did I put myself into this same pain again? And, and the thought of like, how do I get out of it? How do I get out of it? But still look beautiful walking out of this whole thing. <laughs> tough. Because I don't want to be seen like I am forsaking the group. But yeah. I also need to take care of myself. So there's always this two going on, this tension going on, conflict within myself. And I don't like to be in a place. And for me to be able to take care of myself is actually before I say yes to any groups now is to really think that do I really want to be in there and how much can I really contribute to it and am I necessary in this group? And if not, then I would just decline so that I don't even put myself in there because there's so many times when I've reached a certain stage of conflict, sometimes I just switch off and I become, I can be irresponsible and I just exit the group without anything and then that doesn't look good on me. So that has happened before in the past, but I'm just learning not to get into that in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Quarantine is a perfect example for me. At the beginning of quarantine, I was literally the busiest human around. I had Zoom classes. I had cooking night. I had a movie club. I had like endless. I literally packed my schedule for the first like three months. Then I just hit a wall and I canceled everything. And I basically was like, 
I can't do any of it. I'm out. I can't. I'm done. And I had, and then since then, it's been a process of like, okay, yeah, like Kai said, what, what is really, what do I really want to do? And part of mm-hmm. it's just like actually going through the motion of being like, this thing popped up or this idea came into mm-hmm. my head. Is this actually an idea that I want to pursue? Or is it just like an idea that I can let go of? Mm-hmm. Um, but for it was just, just been so fascinating to observe that over quarantine. And the self-preservation, I'm I'm appreciating it more because slowing down treating my body, eating healthy. Like I'm like, Oh, I get it. It gives me more energy. Oh, it actually feels better to take care of myself, mm-hmm. which sounds so obvious, but like it, it, it doesn't always click as easily for me. I do agree with you, Anna, because COVID as well was, was hitting a wall. Um, I was very involved in an organization that will not name at this moment. Um, it was Zoom meeting on Zoom meeting within the COVID time. And I, I had an opportunity to do some business stuff. And I thought to myself, I would really love to do business stuff, get into personalities, get into getting people's lives and making them understand how to go from A to B, um, because that's my passion. In that time, I just realized, but I can't do that if I don't free up my time. So I actually said no to a lot of things that I was actively involved in, in the organization. And once I did that, all the relationships with that, actually, I came to know as functional relationships. It wasn't deep relationships. Hmm. The relationships went. And that really, it got to me. It really got to me. It really hit me in the core. It's like, where's all the relationships that I thought I had? Hmm. It was functional. It wasn't really, you know, to the to the core depth of who I am and who they are as a person. Yeah, I think the biggest growth for me, I always felt like I'm doing this alone because there's a lot of voices in my head as well. Like, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? But recently, um, this year, I actually formed another core group. No surprise there. Yeah, but I have another <laughs> core group of um, two other sevens. So there are three of us and we are accountable to one another. And because we are all sevens and we are all like different, we are I'm social first, they are sexual first, and then they have self-preservation. We bounce it off each other. Like, how do we approach certain things? And that really helped because I now I have like other two sevens to help me to be my mirror and to be my lens as well. So that is actually part of my growth. Wow, that's great. Wow. As you're as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, I should start that group like that. That sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's that's why I was excited about the podcast, for instance, is because now finally I can bounce off ideas. And I came mm-hmm. in with 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 the thing mm-hmm. of I'm gonna be as vulnerable as possible because someone needs to hear this. You yeah. know, because I didn't hear that from from anyone else until yeah. I got to to know the podcast and listen to the uh, panel discussions, like, oh, okay, so that's how it comes together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to that point, self-preservation and how it was in college, particularly for me, I really neglected myself and I was so stretched then going out, being with different groups. And again, to your point of people hearing this, like I realized I was, it was an avoidance. I was trying to get away from having to sit with, what do I want to do in my life? Like what's important to me? What are my values? I just was like, Oh, I'll just go hang out with people and avoid all those kind of scary questions. Um, but it, it, and obviously we all come to where we are for a reason, but I I felt like I was escaping a bit for a while. Hmm. This is the thing that's interesting about sexual, social, and social sexual. 
as the sequence with the third being the self-pres is that there's very little stop in that. Yeah. It is almost with all types. It's almost all go. And it's all mm-hmm. in the realm of people. Mm-hmm. And so the, because the pattern and flow of energy is so familiar to the type that when they're in that, it feels normal. This is what gives me life. This is what I should be doing. And so when you, we're doing that and we have to do a little bit of self-press, it feels so foreign and it feels so uncomfortable, but yet that's the very thing as you're describing that actually helps you. And what we are learning is that the neglected instinct, the little that we do to begin to bring it back in to us, it has disproportionate positive effect. Mm-hmm. You can work so hard in the social sphere and the sexual sphere, and it's great. But when you add a little bit of that self-preservation in there, there's something that happens to us where then we're actually more impactful, more effective in those spheres that, you know, we love to be involved in. So I'm wondering if you've done any, if you've had any of those like awarenesses and learnings around, yeah, I am noticing the more I bring that in, it does have some, you know, positive effect and actually helps me in the social sphere. I find that by quote unquote, limiting myself, which can feel so horrible and painful at times. (laughs) But by limiting myself, I actually, the things I do choose to go focus on, like those become limitless. So I'm able to like fully invest in the spaces that are most important instead of sort of stretching myself across a bunch of things, but really going and being present, being intentional in the places that are most important to me. For me personally, the self-preservation kind of creeps up on me, whether I know it or not. And during the COVID situation, th- there was a lot of like um, online meetup with groups. And now with things relaxing in Singapore, there's a lot of face-to-face meetup with groups. Mm-hmm. I'm always constantly meeting up with groups like two to three times a week because for, for my husband, that's not normal because he doesn't do that. But I do right. it quite often and it seems normal to me. But this, I was sharing with him, I was like, but I have this feeling that I want to be alone at the same time. And sometimes I, I feel that's healing for me. And so he's been yeah. really kind today. And he said, you know what, after this podcast, I'm going to bring the kids out and you can have the whole house to yourself for the rest nice. of the day. Oh, and and I actually wow. looking forward to it because like, oh, you know, for once, I'm not going to schedule anything until mm-hmm. later today. I'm meeting another group, but I do have like a few hours in between for myself, not doing anything, just for myself. And that's healing for me. I do look forward to that. Wow. I, I want yep. to be in that space. Yeah, really mm. good. I think my wife plays a big role with uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> helping me stay in check if it was up to me i'll be visiting people <laughs> seven days a week it's no problem for me i'm the social one i want to go out i'm the petrol she's the brakes plain and simple um mm-hmm. she likes the one-on-one attention she likes to be uh just us you know she wants to be unique she doesn't want to be too much in groups you know where she just disappears in it so yeah that 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 makes it an interesting dynamic for me but i need mm-hmm. to look more at the self-preservation um some of the stuff does come in where i see I, i'm better at the budgeting i'm better looking at some of the stuff at the house and just mm-hmm. looking do we have enough so it's not like I do not have it at all. Mm-hmm. It's just when it comes to relationships, 
I don't have it. (laughs) When it comes to people, that's where I need the help. That's where I need the breaks. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, my partner's, uh, self-preservation has, is his first instinct and it has been so helpful for me. <laughs> we have, I, I eat so many more vegetables than I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank the three of you so very, very much for having been on this podcast and for having brought such great insights into the seven and the social instinct and the pairing of those two. Your vulnerability, your transparency, your depth. Really, really good. Huge thanks uh, to each of you. And as a social aide, I related to so much of what you said. It really connected with me and made a lot of sense. But it was also neat to see like little nuances. But yes, I really resonated with a lot of what you said. It was super helpful to hear those nuances, to have those distinctions. Because what this season has given us is... Uh, what we thought would be, you know, really helping a lot of other people. And it's just teaching us so much as well. So thank you for being our teachers as well as a wider community, the wider Enneagram community and people just trying to grow and understand each other. So thank you so much. It is amazing to have you and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find out more about us at www.theartofgrowth.org. That's the place to learn more about our comprehensive training and coaching programs for organizations around team health. And you can also reach out to us there about individual coaching as well. And there are many tools on the Art of Growth website to help you on your journey. We'd also encourage you to check out the main Art of Growth podcast. Grace and growth, my friends.